0: Hello, and welcome to episode 185 of the Waters Waveland podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Weishen, and I'm joined this week by my co-host, Tony Malikian. Hello, Tony.
1: Hello. How's it going?
0: Good, good. Uh, what time is it there now? Uh,
1: 9.30.
0: And it's 10.30 here. Still not completely used to the 13-hour difference, even though it takes quite a, takes up quite a few months in the year but uh you know it's a little annoying isn't it
1: yeah when, when do we spring ahead i can't remember do you know i should know this but
0: i don't know um, but i can but yeah. find out right now um just give me a second spring
1: ahead 2020 <laughs> is going to be march 8th
0: oh that's so not too far only a away couple
1: more weeks oh n- not yet. next week we'll be back on uh, normal schedule then
0: Oh, finally, 12-hour differences. There we go. Um, there we go. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so today I want to talk about two amazing stories that we published on the website end of last week and earlier this week. The first one, uh, written by yours truly, looking at uh, whether the video gaming industry can teach banks something about visualization and the second written by our colleague in new york rebecca natal looking at whether data mining is bullshit or not fyi we're going to be using the word bullshit quite a lot just in case that's um uh, i guess a little <laughs> sensitive to your ears but yes yes uh, hopefully
1: you know if it is check back with us next you know uh well the first story we probably won't be using it that much but uh, when we talk about the data mining story we'll definitely be uh, caught up because it's from direct quotes but we'll get to that so but hopefully you guys don't mind
0: yes it's from direct quotes mind you <laughs> yes. yeah so um my gaming story actually started uh, back in december at the waters usa conference and we had david riley the cio of uh, bank of america um come on to give a presentation or basically like a fireside chat and that was with you tony um mm-hmm. Yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and then I'll lead on into how I went on to write this story.
1: Sure. Um, so when he joined, you know, David, I've known David for several years now. Um, and as a CIO, he's always, he is thinking ahead. He's, he's always kind of looking at kind of longer term strategies um, whenever you talk with him. And so he started, uh, so he wanted to talk about, you know what they're using, um, so they're using Epic Games' the, their Unreal Engine. What's called this Unreal Engine, um, and if anybody knows anything about uh, online video games, uh, Epic Games is the maker of Fortnite, and uh, which is massively, massively popular game, and that's run on the Unreal Engine, which is this kind of cutting-edge gaming engine written in C mm-hmm. And the idea was they wanted to be able to create better a better visualization kind of user experience for traders to alert them like as an example I think he used um, like let's say a, a manager a trade manager is looking at his team of traders um, he can see on one screen kind of their risk, their risk tolerances and if it spikes too high, like this red bar will kind of light up and yada, yada, yada. But you know, if you just kind of think about playing a video game, there are the, all these kind of visual cues that lead you to information that help you to defeat a game or whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to take those techniques and use what has been learned from visualization techniques in the video game industry and bring that into the bank. And, you know, because we've been hearing a lot about uh, augmented reality and virtual reality coming to the trading floor. We've written a couple stories about that in the past, I know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, it, it just hasn't happened yet. There will come a day when I think that that will. But right now, it just kind of always, it seems a little bit more sci-fi than it is actual reality, <laughs> right?
0: Right.
1: But... He was saying that they do hope to have an actual prototype. Um, so they have two developers working on this project. So it's not like they're throwing a ton of resources at this, right? Mm-hmm. But they have two developers, and they're aiming to have a prototype sometime um, this summer, I think, if, if, if I remember right, he said. Um, and that is interesting, you know, that if they are going to keep on pushing ahead with this and cause I don't know that the AR VR headsets are going to be around anytime soon, but certainly creating new visualization techniques using the video game industry. I think that's very much a viable, um, it makes a lot of sense because as you kind of wrote in your story, there is actually overlap when you think about an elite trader and an elite video game player, whatever the hell you call them, a gamer, I guess, that um, <laughs> there is a lot of overlap there, right? So maybe what did you kind of find in with the people you spoke with?
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there was this, there, I mean, not, not was, I mean, there is this overlap between an elite gamer or a professional gamer and uh, a professional trader. So, I mean, both of them, they spend hours, you know, trying to, uh, look for new, uh, I guess maybe loopholes, um, and how they can l- leverage off some some s- some new information to make better decisions. Whether it's in the game or whether it's in a trade on an execution of a trade or something like that, right? Um, and and the similarity between the two is that they, are, you know, they are both looking at. Um, They're they're both looking at um, the way data is visualized, um, pre and post match statistics, you know, and and charting and real time statistics. Those things, I mean, those are basically what they both look at. Um, These two different uh, individuals in different industries. So I guess what um, Bank of America is trying to do is kind of uh, implement um, that sort of uh, ideology into the trading world and see how uh, data can be better visualized in the trading world as it is currently in the gaming industry. Um, there are obviously issues um, that that come out of it. Uh, it's not it's not as easy as it seems. it's not as I mean it'll be fun and all but I mean, it, it basically comes back down to the trader, right? What, what do they prefer? Uh, and not all traders are the same. It also depends what sort of trader you are. Um, but what I found inter- interesting is that... Um, so Epic Games, uh, which, was, yeah, which is the creator of uh, Fortnite, and more importantly, uh, the creator of the Unreal Engine, uh, which, as you mentioned, is a cutting cutting-edge gaming engine written in C++. Um, they are using this as a platform, you know, for not only financial companies but other com- other industries as well, to uh, to to help prototype new methods of visualizing data in in whatever environments they are in. So this yeah. is. This is kind of opening up their, um, I, I guess maybe revenue streams, new revenue streams for them, whether and, and not limiting themselves to the gaming industry or even the financial industry alone. So it can be any industry at all. And yeah, sure. the the cool part is that, um, and and it's a quote here by uh, Craig. Lali Berté, who um, yeah, he he oversees the Unreal Engine business development and Epic Games. He says uh, the open architecture and Blueprint visual scripting, which is the gameplay scripting system inside the Unreal Engine, uh, these are key to giving them an out of the box platform to build upon without the need to write applications from the ground up. So, in a way, that kind of reminds me of my open source. Um, Feature I did a while ago, and how that, uh, how how the industry, um, not only the financial industry anyway, but um, how you can kind of like use that, and then layer layer on anything else you want on top of it. But in this case, you don't even need to write any applications on top of the Unreal Engine. So that was what I found um, special here. But as I mentioned, yeah, there are. Um there are, there are hitbacks in this, and not everyone is uh, not everyone agrees that uh you know this this uh should be uh they should be pushing ahead with this i mean as in bank of america but uh, so far uh the banks i've spoken with only Bank of america um seems to be open enough to talk about this. So other banks that I've spoken to either said that this is not an area of focus for them or they are kind of looking at it, but are not ready to be talking about it just yet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then again, Bank of America, it's not like they're dumping tons of resources into this and they're not going to create this live environment that traders will be using this year. They're going to create a prototype where that leads or if that ever really gets off the ground long way to go before we see something like that and i thought there was one other you, you talked with um uh, some folks there at instant and um hmm. joel herowitz he also you, you have to be careful about this because there is information overload actually i i like to play video games um like alice she's like a hardcore like my girlfriend alice she's a hardcore uh online video game player i have a ps3 um once I get my tax return, I'm gonna go out get a PS4. But I do find playing new games to be difficult because there is so much going on, and like I'm just an old man, and I'm just like <laughs> I just like the side scroller games; those are easy. Um, <laughs> so I, I, so he was, so Joel what H- H- was saying, you know, so this is a quote from him that I like that. Traders got have got a lot of bells and whistles going off all day, putting more bells and whistles in that gives the traders more information. But could it not be more data overload and in real time? Traders have enough to worry about. Is adding more going to ultimately make things easier or harder for them? Um, and I, you know, it is a good point They're, that you know you yeah. can have this cool new cutting edge technology that the video game industry has been developing and working on. And it can be useful, but you have to, there is a delicate balance that you, that you can't overstep.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I, I agree. Um, which is why it was really interesting to speak with them as well, because, I mean, they see it from a different view, right? And while, um, it, while a gaming engine, um, you know, deployed into like a trading floor kind of uh, workflow could be, could do well in terms of like, giving a new visualization um i guess techniques but yeah is this going is this going to be just another one uh is this going to just present itself in another way like is this on top of all the other alerts that are already going off on the traders desk or um, i mean it it could be valuable if it was consolidated But consolidating all that information into, let's say, uh, into a single, I don't know, a single chart, a single red flashing light or something like that. I mean, is that possible?
1: Yeah, uh, no, probably not. Yeah. What you have to do is you have to have, like, so Bank of America, they're working on building their, and I can't remember what it's called. I know they have some efforts going on, but they have, like, their internal trading platform that they use that they're building. Goldman Sachs is working on uh, their platform. I can't remember the name of it right now off my top of my head. Uh, J.P. Morgan has, I think it's called Athena. And then, of course, you have, like, BlackRock's Aladdin. And, um, and then you have uh, vendor platforms that are being bought up. But Charles River and State Street. So... Excuse me. Um, so, yes, I think that if you have an internally built centralized trading platform, it's easier to do. But it's the, the idea of interoperability, you know, and just kind of having all these kind of different systems up, that will be a little bit more difficult. That That's too much of a ask. I think this is something that has to kind of start out with an internally built platform. So you are going to still have other bells and whistles going off and that there could be information overload.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it's just, uh, it, it could be really difficult, I guess, if it's just another type of alert um, that the trader would have to pay attention to, unless, I mean, unless the trader could be, uh, could have that information displayed and not have the others, the, I guess, the typical older ones, like in the form of an email or or um, a, a bell or whatever, you know, and if, if it's, if it if there was a way to consolidate them, then that could be useful. But uh, yeah, the the way you're mentioning um, what you talked about uh, previously as well um, was really important. I mean, having all, all these banks are creating their own or have their own trading platforms, right? And if they want to layer this like data visual new data visualization technique on top, um, using a gaming engine engine or actually whatever engine they want to use. Um, the point is, are they, are they going to be going from that uh, engine and into, back into their own workflow? Um, is that stitched in? If it's not stitched in, then it's, it kind of loses its effectiveness. And yeah, then what's the point?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Then there's just too many things going off and it's not cohesive and it'll just do more confusion than actual help.
0: Yeah, but the, the point here is, I guess, I mean, it's it's really interesting to see how uh, technology from a different industry can be applied to the financial industry as well. And this this won't be the last, I'm sure. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, no doubt.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, so let's now talk about uh, Rep's story. Um, data mining is bullshit. I really like how uh, she starts off with this quote by um, Matthew Rothman who is a managing director at Goldman Sachs. So he gave a presentation um, earlier in January and his title was Data Mining, the Unoriginal Sin. Um, Yeah, the unoriginal sin, sorry. And uh, he starts off talking about how he spent a lot of time trying to come up with the name of this topic of his presentation. And all of them had been shut down by compliance. So there was another one called like data mining, the second oldest profession, which was a reference to. I don't know if I want to say it here. Prostitution. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's what it is. It's a
1: reference to prostitution.
0: <laughs> and then there was data mining by dummies. And then the astrology of finance, unlocking patterns in non stationary data with machine learning which was actually a title of another another presentation by IBM. So, <laughs> um, yeah, they finally settled for data mining, the unoriginal sin. But this, I felt this piece was really important because we've been talking, uh, we, we at Waters have been talking a lot about alternative data and how uh, banks are throwing a lot of money and effort into uh, either seeking out for uh, alternative data or like looking at their own, looking at their own businesses and, and kind of, I guess, scraping at their own data. And this guy here is basically just calling, calling it out. Calling um, bullshit. Yeah, calling it bullshit. So I think it, it still comes back down to how they're using it. Um... It's not it's not the answer to new new alpha. You know, that it I don't think just getting alternative data equals alpha. Um you know, what are your thoughts on this, Tony?
1: Yeah, I think that I have got imagined so you had Matthew Rothman, he spoke at that event. Um, then we also, uh, Reb spoke with Alexander Fleiss from Rebellion Asset Management, really kind of cutting edge, machine learning driven um, hedge funds, um, spoke with Mike Chen at Panagora Asset Management, um, and then spoke with Suvrat Bansal at UBS Asset Management. So kind of a wide variety of different kind of buy side firms. And I'm sure if you got them all together, they, I think there would be a little a consensus to what they're saying. Um, Even though there was disagreements, you know, uh, Bonsal, you know, he views alternative data at UBS Asset Management as very, very vital, that Mm. he wants all the information that is out there, um, because having more information he views to be better to help kind of to to make proper decisions. And I think that the key, the, the thing that I think I took away from the article the most was this. I think that there are so many alternative data providers out there, and you know they're just trying to sell to the buy side community, and you know promising them that you know you this will give you an edge, this will give you alpha. Um, if you if you invest with us, you can, you can create unique. Uh, you know uh, if you if you mine this correctly, you can create unique insights and stuff like that that others just don't have the talent to do. And the fact of the matter is that about 95% of these data uh, data sets end up being completely useless. And so a large company like UBS Asset Management that has a team, they, they have their quantitative, the QED team, quantitative uh, data evidence. Uh, <laughs> Goddamn, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> but um, I wrote a whole profile of them too and I can't remember. It's late. Um, but anyway. Do so they have a team dedicated to kind of these efforts, these data mining, data analytics efforts. Um, a lot of these other hedge funds are being told, yeah, you know, sign up for our stream of data. Trust me, you'll be able to use this. And what a lot of the buy side is just getting frustrated by the, you know, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of efforts and the rewards have not been there as promised. So I think that that's kind of the takeaway that I had there that, yes, data mining can be useful, especially if you have the resources and you have the data scientists and everything like that. But right now, it's a bit overblown that we try and pretend like you know alternative data is the new market data when it's – got to find the right blend, and that's not always easy. And you got to learn how to fail fast when using alternative data. Yeah. I think that those were kind of the key takeaways for me.
0: Yeah, I I think one of the other key takeaways is also that you you need to have an idea of what you're looking for or what you want to prove. And I think um Suvret from UBS asset management was saying that he he he, he thinks that alternative data is vital, right? And he wants to have all the data that is that is um uh possible. But the key for him is to finding the truth in all that. So what is that truth? I think it is, is really up to the firm to you know decide and, des- decide before they use it what they are actually looking for. Um, you know, if if they're just kind of throwing it all in there, I mean that then there's no point and like trying to trying to look for trying to look for uh, insights and uh, maybe unique insights to find alpha and new growth or whatever. You know, that's not gonna work. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like, as with anything, there has to be a plan and you have to have the right talented people on there um, that know what they're looking for. You know, if you're going to go on a mining expedition, you got to have some professionals. You can't just hand a 12 year old an axe and say, go do some mining. Right. <laughs> um, so so I, I think that's just the key takeaway from the article is that, you know, and then there was also Reb. Also interviewed um, the other interesting. From she interviewed this uh, professor of psychology or sociology. I can't remember which one. Um, and he had some just kind of interesting, just around the way people's brains are wired, and this kind of idea that you're going to be missing out if you don't kind of, if you don't follow the crowd in some ways. And you know, yeah. and that's playing a lot into the alternative data space right now, with just again more and more spending on all data. But I think you know, a lot of people are being sold a false bill, you know, of hope or whatever it is.
0: Right. I mean, uh, his name is Jay Finkelman and he's the professor and chair of industrial organizational business psychology at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. That's a mouthful.
1: <laughs> that is. Yeah. That's, you get an A just if you can pronounce that in one sitting clean, I guess.
0: Yay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was really interesting that she pointed out um <laughs> Uh, the the gorilla that looked like a oh sorry more like the cheeto that looked like a gorilla um if you want i'll i'll add the links in the uh to to the two stories that we talked about in in this podcast and you can click uh on the link inside that story and look at the, the that <laughs> yeah so someone actually paid ninety nine thousand and nine hundred dollars for a single cheeto because it resembled the uh, this gorilla called Harambe, am I saying that right? Harambe.
1: You are saying that correct. Yes.
0: Yeah. So it's 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 weird. Uh, and and when she spoke with uh, Jay Finkelman, this professor, so it is true how humans are like wired to seek patterns and seek connections and try to link things together. And that kind of reminded me about this um, book called uh, Freakonomics. Have you have you read it before? Mm-hmm.
1: I've I've not read it. I've heard of it.
0: Yeah, so it's a it's a book written by uh Stephen D. Levitt and Stephen J. Dubner. Um and they try to uh they, they basically look at different statistical um happenings, I guess. Oh, statistical sorry, statistical data. <laughs> statistical happenings. What is that? <laughs> and they it's link just it just <laughs> open yeah, and and they link it to things like um, cheating in um, that is applied to teachers and sumo wrestlers, or like um, the economics of drug dealing and how that uh, um, and that leads to like low earnings and working condi- conditions and stuff like that. And um, it's just like really out there links from statistical data, so. Yeah, I think our human brains are just wired to, like, make connections to everything that we see.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And and again, it's such... an. And then these alternative data providers are going into these hedge funds and asset managers, and they're making... see a picture that they want to... that, you know, they're kind of painting a picture for them, and the buy side is buying into it, but are they actually getting the usefulness out of it, so...
0: Yeah. Well... I guess it, it's up to yeah, the asset manager to really know first of all what they want to look for when they buy or they um, they invest into, into new alternative data sets, and how how they're going about doing doing it really. I mean, just going into um, alternative data for the sake of you know doing it, it's not it's it's not going to work out very well. It's the same as you know applying AI or machine learning. Really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tony, do you want to tell us uh, something, something fun that we've been working on?
1: Sure. Um, I don't know how this got started, actually, but <laughs> we decided to use Spotify and create like a. Way Shen sets this up, I don't. I I worried about technology, but I don't know how technology works. Yeah, he's useless. Um, so. But uh, to create a playlist with just me and her, and then she'll add two songs, I'll add two songs. You know, she'll, I'll add four songs, she'll add four songs. We kind of just match each other. And the idea was that, yeah, you know, I, I like, I love all different kinds of music. There's, I don't, you know, I, I literally run the gamut from country to metal to you know current pop, top ten pop songs to jazz to classical whatever it is i love i love all kinds of stuff but so i just wanted to be exposed to just other new interesting kind of music and Wei Shen, you know has a an edm background i know and you know has you know that she's girl. obviously living in asia so she's gonna have you know different songs that are gonna be popular out there that i'm probably not gonna hear about over here until they are in the next crazy rich asians movie or something like that um <laughs> so... <laughs> So we decided to create this playlist, and it's been really cool. Um, it's was a lot. it been a lot of fun and a lot of interesting songs that I just never would have seen before uh, we started listening to. Yeah. And then we expanded that out uh, to – so we created a separate – so Weishan and I still have that uh, playlist going on. And then we expanded that out to um, the uh, uh, James, Rebecca – myself and Wei Shen and so but each person can only add one song so we go in order Shen first then Jim then rap. uh rap, then me and so we just gotta wait for the next person to add in and we try and follow a theme you know kind of James <laughs> has been going hardcore punk of late you know but uh you know so I made fun of him in the beginning then I made fun of Wei Shen for too much EDM so, but yeah, I think it's been going pretty well.
0: to be fair, in that in that bigger playlist we're a part of now, I only put one EDM song in there. There's only one EDM song in there. I started off slow. I started off with a really chill, loungy um uh, loungy um song. I think the title is called what? "Savant."
1: Yeah. yeah, so here are the first four songs that were added. So Wei Shen added Savant by Vivi, I'm going to assume is the way. <laughs> I
0: have no idea.
1: Um, James added a song called A Walk by Tycho, I think is the name. Um, Rebecca added New York by St. Vincent. And so I went with um, 400 Bones by Frey and Rabbit. So we started off really, really slow. And then we kept on going slow with the next three songs that were added and then i was like hold on we got to kick this up a notch so then i went with a very hardcore um rock song uh by a band called in this moment um the song is called whore so (laughs) kind of it kind of changed the dichotomy i think of the music selection after that
0: yeah and then i kept wanting to add non-EDM songs in there because everyone just seems you guys just seem to think that i only like EDM but i'm quite like you as well I my taste in music range from classical to pop to rock to rap to EDM to yeah um, to K-pop even so uh, they're just all over the place which is why our, our playlist is I mean the one that we have together it's it's really um, I like it a lot actually much better yeah. than the no, one we have together with Ramanji <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them, <laughs> well, don't I think tell that them. Is
1: because our <laughs> musical alignment is a little bit closer um yeah there have been a couple like uh just recently uh or some of the ones that you just I, I haven't gone through the latest batch that you did but uh the last one um oh yeah you you were the one that added the disturb the sound of silence which i've known that song but it's a great song mm-hmm. um then the jamie wound night air was excellent um Sean Bad Habit. So yeah, you got you got good taste. You got good taste.
0: Yeah. I have always liked the sound of silence and one uh, a couple of years back I actually um, <laughs> I set it as my ringtone, but it was the I mean the original version by Simon Simon and Garfunkel. And oh man,
1: as a depressing song to have as your <laughs> freaking ringtone, but okay.
0: <laughs> it just sounds nice. I really like the the tune of it. So I had to start coming out on my as a ringtone, and like once it rang, and I, I was back in uh, Malaysia at this time and working for the newspaper, and it rang, and the whole newsroom laughed at me. It was, yeah, so I, I had that ringtone on for like a day, and that was it.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it reminds me of... Uh... Back in the day, some of you, if some of you listeners are old school readers of Waters magazine and publication back in the day called Dealing with Technology, um, we had a, an editor here named Rob Daly, and he his ringtone for when his mom would call was um, the da, da 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 from Star Wars, whatever, <laughs> the Emperor's March or whatever the hell it's called. And the first time I heard it, I, it just like, blared in the in the, um, in the office, and it just had me crying, laughing, like, it was fantastic, so, yeah, so I just keep my ringtones just normal shit, so.
0: Yeah, mine's normal shit now.
1: <laughs> yeah, lesson learned.
0: Yep, lesson learned, lesson learned, but never will but, I have Sound of Silence as my ringtone ever again.
1: I do, I do recommend it, because I have been exposed to a lot of cool songs that I just never would have heard of. Um, so I do recommend to anybody out there. This is something fun. Create a Spotify playlist, link it with somebody else, and then you just got to kind of go back and forth um, and kind of try and keep the theme going a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of um, country. Um, generally, there are nice country songs, but generally, I, I'm not. Yeah, I tend to not feel it as much somehow. But yeah, that that's the only genre that I, I think so fine. And anyway. that's
1: my job. My job now is then to make sure that I keep on playing country. So to find you some country Damn. songs that you love, that you love.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do have one. I think they're called. Um, they're quite old. They're uh, Rascal Flats. Have you heard of them? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that is old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's pretty much the only one that I know. <laughs>
1: That is a random, I don't, I don't even know, they're not even that huge here anymore, like, so I, I'm not 100% sure, but, uh, cool. Right, you see, if you like them, if you dig that, then, you know, and they're a little bit more of a rocky kind of, a rock version of a country band, so maybe that's why you like them, but
0: uh, I'll find you some stuff, don't. Well, I, I mean, maybe it's only one song that I like from them, <laughs> maybe that's why, it's, um, it was, it's, uh, uh God Bless the Broken Road.
1: Okay. yeah Yeah, it's a good song
0: yeah it's a good song and it's been All covered right. by so many other people and some of the covers are really really good too
1: you should have been adding that to the playlist
0: oh yeah hmm, I will
1: <laughs> there you go alright yeah. anything else?
0: no I think that's it for uh, let's yeah we can wrap up um, so next week uh, we'll be back on again as usual um, maybe we'll throw in some announcements about some of our uh, events and awards coming up. Uh, so look out for that. And, um, well, till next week. Take care.
1: Have a good weekend, everybody. Cheers.